Hello and welcome to Nerd Vomit. My name is Doug. I'm a nerd and this is my vomit. I've got good news at the top of the show. Finally, the last two weeks have been kind of bummers with health problems of celebrities and death. I've got some good news. My eyes have stopped bleeding after I watched Holmes and Watson. That movie is a steaming, unflushable turd. I had a friend who went and saw it when it came out a couple months ago around Christmas. He was very excited. I mean, John C. Riley, Will Ferrell. I mean, how could this go wrong? Ray Fiennes, Steve Coogan. How could this go wrong? It went wrong in the worst possible way. Oh, my God. He said it was not only one of the worst movies of 2018, it was one of the worst movies he had ever seen. Now, of course, that piqued my interest, that and the, like, I think either 4 or 6% it had on Rotten Tomatoes for a Will Ferrell movie. That is, sadly, uh, like, reverse impressive. And I, uh, I, I got it on uh, digital and watched it because I was like, well, if it's, it can't be that bad, or if it is so bad, maybe it's so bad it's good. It's not. It's awful. It is dumb. It is witless. It is... It, they tried to, like, shoehorn in anachronisms like pay-per-view and dick pics and all of that. And it was just awful. There was, like, one genuinely funny part where I think I laughed once when John C. Reilly introduces himself as a doctor and goes, Yes, would you like some heroin? That was funny because that's how they used to treat things back then with alcohol and heroin. Oh, you got ghosts in your blood. You should do some cocaine about that. That's how doctors used to work, and that was funny. This was not. Don't watch it. If you haven't seen it, keep living your life. You will be f happily ever after without this movie. Just d dismal. And like I said, and, and Will Ferrell co-wrote it, but it wasn't with Adam McKay, who has done all of the great uh, Will Ferrell uh, movies with, uh, I don't know if he did Step Brothers off the top of my head, but he did Teledega Nights, Anchorman, less said about Anchorman 2, the better, unfortunately. Um, but I mean, Will Ferrell's got a great track record with Megamind and Stranger Than Fiction, and John C. Riley's got great comedic chops, for fuck's sake. I mean, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, is a fantastic movie. So goddamn funny. And if there's not probably a month that goes by where I don't look at someone and go, Wrong kid died. That's fantastic. Holmes and Watson, skip it. If I may take something from uh, our parent show, no applause, just a clap, and we had love it, love it, or shovel it. Um, shovel it. Shovel it into the darkest hole. Dig to hell. Drop that movie in like it was the ring in Mordor and Mount Doom and just get the fuck rid of it. Yes, I compared this movie to the evilest ring on the planet, and I am not wrong. Also, I don't really like Lord of the Rings, so for me to even use the Lord of the Rings as an analogy for how bad this movie is, that says something, folks. That says something. On the flip side of that, I watched Killing Gunther, and this was one of those kind of quiet indie movies that kind of escaped. I was aware of it in the peripheral, um, and I saw it as a DVD in a bargain bin and went, you know, I'm going to check this out. And it's written and directed by uh, Tyrion Killiam, uh, who is married to Colby Smulders, 
who was on How I Met Your Mother, and she's in the movie. He was on SNL. Uh, he's got a few SNL buddies on there as well, one of which I can't... Paul Britton? That sounds right. Uh, Bobby Moynihan, the girl who plays Cece on New Girl, which I don't watch, but she's hilarious in it. And basically, the premise is that Taron Killiam, who plays Blake Hemmen, uh, is a hitman, one of the be- one of the best hitmen, and he pulls together this team of ragtag misfit hired killers uh, and a documentary crew to take out the world's greatest hitman, Gunther, or that's the old, they only call him Gunther, and you find out his real name at the end. Um, and it is so fucking funny. Uh, it is not like the funniest movie I've ever seen, but it was a delight to watch. A true joy. The humor, the, 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 the weirdly comedic pathos in it, the character development was very surprising. Um, it was a well-crafted movie. I mean, I could, I could see kind of the, the scaffolding of his outline uh, in it where I could see all of the... I could kind of see The Matrix in it as a writer myself. How he broke down like all three acts and had kind of mini acts in 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 side of each macro act, I guess you'd call them. Um, but all of the, the the twists and turns. My only thing is that you know they had Arnold Schwarzenegger play Gunther. Uh, it's not a spoiler. The movie came out I think last year, and he doesn't really come in until like maybe the last half hour, um, the last like third of it, the the kind of final act. And I thought that was kind of a waste, but I can see where they would kind of, you know, kind of carrot on stick uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger on that one, where you're like, okay, when's he going to show up? When's he going to show up? When's he going to show up? And there he is. But the movie was engaging and engrossing, even without kind of the dangling bait of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who really flexes, uh, no pun intended, really flexes some comedic chops in this. I thought he was hilarious. Just the fact that he was so full of, like, bravado uh, and saying the most ridiculous hitman shit ever and just thinking it was the most normal. I mean, the way they talk about killing people, it just, it seems so blasé to them that you, like, they don't understand the ridiculousness of what they're actually saying. And I love that Taron Killiam did that. Um, like I said, the dialogue sharp. The, uh, it was filmed not quite mockumentary. Uh, there are some kind of fabricated shots in it, especially near the end. But uh, the twists and turns, the characters are great, um, and I, I look forward to it. If he makes more movies, I will watch them, and I think you should too. But Killing Gunther, well worth it. Nice palate cleanser coming off of that just wretched Holmes and Watson, which I will never get over. Um, speaking of things I will, I don't know, not get over, that wasn't a great segue, I talked last week about how I've kind of been taking a break from Hellblade, Senua's sacrifice, because it is super intense with the whole mental illness thing, um, and, and her, the main character, suffering from very acute psychoses, and I started playing Persona 5, which is this anime RPG that's supposedly over 200 hours of gameplay, and uh, I thought, oh, that's got to be all branching storylines, there's no way if I just play kind of straight through. Uh, and at first it was kind of slow going. I was like, well, this is kind of plodding along and I really haven't gotten to much of the story quite yet. And then I got to a save point and I looked at how long I've been playing it. I was like, holy shit, I've already put in like six hours on this game. Uh, and it's kind of flown by. I didn't think I was 
that far in, which six hours in a 200-hour game is a drop in the bucket, but now I can see where it would be 200 hours because it just is this incredible slow burn of a story and you keep learning more and more mechanics. I just got into, like, crafting infiltration tools, which I would love to tell you about, but I haven't fabricated them yet. I don't, I don't know what they are. Uh, the weird talking cat hasn't told me how to make them yet. He's only introduced the concept of infiltration tools. But there's already been, like, like I said, six hours in, and the story just, like, kicked into, like, this weird, like, high gear, which I'm like, whoa, there's, like, there's physical abuse, there's hinted at uh, sexual assault and rape, there's a suicide. Like I said, I'm six hours in to this 200-plus-hour game, and that's already happened. Bat shit crazy. So I, I, I am so excited to get back into Persona 5. Um, like I said, I, I have the, the note on the vomitorium says, Persona 5, plodding along. Like, it just seemed like I didn't realize how slow, like, how burned the slow burn was until I was like, wait, oh my god, I've put in six hours in this game already, and I'm totally into it. Unfortunately, uh, the following note on the vomitorium says, new games equals no life. I have been taking a break uh, from kind of socializing, uh, not not in a bad way, not in a, like, oh, I'm depressed, antisocial way, but just in a, like, I've been spending a lot of money going out with friends lately, so I'm kind of like, eh, I feel like being a homebody for a while. And I ended up investing in um, three new video games, which means I'm going to have no life. Um, and this is, once again, I just started Persona 5, but I wanted to get into some newer games to be able to, A, talk about it on the show, because there are some exciting new games. And I was just kind of running out of stuff to play once I got through Persona 5. I, I kind of like to always have a couple of games floating around just for either palate cleansers or to break the monotony or, you know, just to have. So I go, okay, when I'm done playing this, I'll play that. And I picked up uh, Red Dead 2, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, which is this open world western, which is the second best reviewed game ever. The first one being, I believe, Batman Arkham Asylum? Or, pass, or possibly Batman Arkham Knight, both of which I played, and beaten, I'm proud to say. I picked up uh, Red Dead 2, Devil May Cry 5, and Bendy and the Ink Machine, which I didn't realize GameStop ended up talking to the developers of that game and said, we know that it's a Microsoft game, we know that it's on PC, and then it was on micro um, uh, Xbox uh, exclusive, but, you know, we want to put it out for PlayStation 4 because this game is so great. And they put it out as you can only get Bendy and the Ink Machine on PlayStation 4 at GameStop. And when I found it, it was like 20 bucks new, which is a great price for a game that has gotten universal acclaim. Uh, I love the look of, I haven't played it, but it's it looks like the old like Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse cartoons. It's done in that kind of, um, I don't know, like uh, 30s. Uh, cartoon style, uh, but apparently it's a very fucked up uh, mystery. Like it's it's like if uh, Steamboat Willie and Silent Hill had a baby, um, is what I'm to understand. I'm not playing it. Like I said, I uh, next note on the vomitorium have been playing Devil May Cry Five. I ended up picking up the Devil May Cry the first three uh, trilogy digitally and played the first one and didn't. 
I didn't like it because the mechanics were sluggish and it was, you know, the graphics weren't great. I mean, it was a game that came out for, you know, whatever, PlayStation 1, um, possibly even PlayStation 2, maybe. Um, so I just kind of kind of wrote off the Devil May Cry series because I went, well, these are older games and I, I don't like the mechanics or the looks of them. Uh, I don't really care for the story. It didn't really matter to me. It didn't hook me uh, right away or even after a couple hours of playing. Devil May Cry makes my dick hard and has been making my dick hard for several days. I'm maybe a third through it. I'm on mission, I think, six or seven. And even though I don't really quite know the backstories of the um, kind of three characters you play, V, Dante, and Nero, I am so in love with this game. One, it's right up my alley in terms of um, exploring. It's hack and slash. The When you play Nero, you have a sword, a gun, and a robot arm. Stop, you had me at robot arm. So, I mean, the fight mechanics are incredibly fluid and smooth and easy. Uh, there's no complicated, oh my god, to push nine different buttons to pull off a simple combo. Um, it is very straightforward. The storyline already has me hooked. And like I said, I don't even know a lot of the back story of the characters. And it hooked me. I was like, holy shit, what's going on? What's happening? Let's do this. So, like I said, only maybe a third of the way through in Devil May Cry 5, I'm in. I'm in. I might have a little bit of a lust thing for the um, kind of shopkeeper person, Nico, who is this wicked hot rockabilly tattooed smoking robot arm making sassy, brassy, broad. Just cute. Just cute, folks. And I know that she's fake. And I'm not saying I'm going to marry her. I'm just saying thanks for putting her in the game, Capcom. Gives me something to look at after I'm done killing all them demons with my robot arm. And that's, well, that's that's the Vomitorium. I thought I had more on that. Because I kind of did the list, the Vomitorium, kind of out of order. So I hope, you know, you know what to watch, what not to watch, what to play. I didn't really have a what not to play, I guess. Um, I don't know why I'm recapping the episode. I rarely do that. So I'm just going to say, from Nerd Vomit, I'm Doug, Nerd, Vomit, and I'm out like a boner in sweatpants. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Exotic Liability, No Applause, Just the Clap, and Black Falls. We can be found at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for The BACN on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Oh, yeah.